Hello and welcome to the Story X Story podcast, where we discuss stories across pop culture, plus give you advice on creating your own. It's episode 163, and today we're going behind the story, and I'm your co-host, Nigel. I am Tazzy, content creator and co-host. And for our Behind the Story episodes, we like to talk to creative professionals across industries to unpack their journey. And today, we're going to hear the story behind digital illustrator and concept artist Ravi Enkenfak. Ravi, welcome to the show. Hi, hello. Wow. <laughs> hello. Thank you for having me. <laughs> no, it's cool. Thanks for joining us. Looking forward to hearing a bit about you, your work, your journey as we get into this. Uh, just to remind people listening that you can subscribe to Story X Story wherever you get your podcast from. So make sure you do that. You can send us your feedback and questions also to feed studio77 at myamada.com or you can throw them at us on social media. We are at myamada on the artist formerly known as Twitter, at myamada TV on Instagram and TikTok or at Tazzy on everything. Uh, and as we go into 2024, we are continuing to work on a new look Studio 77 membership that will give you access to our video content manga content as we work through this uh, new story as well and uh, special access to my matter events in the new year you can always join our discord for free today to be part of the my matter universe and meet others in the community and we'll have more uh, on that membership changes in the coming months uh, so before we get to learn more about ravi let's update you with what's happening in the my matter universe <music> So this is the part of the year where I say uh, we're approaching the end of the season. So we record from February uh, to December with a break in between. And then we have a recording break over January. So these last few episodes are the last of 2023 as we near the end of season five. So this is the last interview episode of the year. And after that, we'll have special episodes. So we uh, round up the year with our favorite stories of the year, um, which I like, Tazzy hates, and our highlights of the year. So we put together all the uh, the best bits and the outtakes um, from the year into one mega episode. Actually, is it? Yeah, it's like, I think it's a couple hours. I can't remember what I did for the last one, but it's usually pretty funny because we mess up a lot and you never get to hear it except in that episode. And then, like I said, we'll be taking a recording break over January. So you'll hear rewind episodes um, over then. And then we're back for season six on February 2024. Uh, so in between that time, we're also going to be working on the new manga Against All Odds, part of our Origins series that we're starting. Well, we've started working on it in, in the background. And by the time you listen to this, we would have uh, likely shared some artwork. Uh, we've got some cool um, artwork for the Kickstarter, for the cover design uh, and everything sort of coming together. So this is a reflective, hope-filled manga about pursuing your creative career goals in the face of heavy resistance. And it's something that we are starting. It will be a look at the different real-life MyMatter team members turned into anthropomorphic characters in the MyMatter universe and building a short story around their journey to the MyMatter universe. So it's all very meta. Uh, we are starting with Tazzy's story. Uh, so you'll get to know a bit more uh, about Tazzy in that story and the Kickstarter uh, associated with it. So keep an eye out for that. You can also check out the manga we've already done. Here's what we did earlier. So we've got everything from our first Samurai Chef to the latest series through the fog on our website and any conventions that we are at as well. So you can check out all the previous work there. We are 
also nearing the end of our Do I Look Like a Gamer campaign. In fact, by the time you're listening to this, we will have wrapped it up in our special live stream. So this is a campaign that we launched last year to promote inclusion and diversity in the games industry. And it's now a yearly initiative. So we are building on the work done last year and continuing that push for diversity in games, culture and industry. And I've been talking a lot about it today, doing a whole series of pitches to different people about it. And um, I'll tell you what I told them. Uh, we start the year with a snapshot of 40 players and makers showcase the representation that does exist today in the efforts to inspire future generations of diverse talents and then we go into a schedule of events over the year so we have done a bunch of things we've done roundtables we've done game jams we've done uh, networking events we've had appearances at other events like comic-con egx develop and the most recent one that we just did uh, we had our first future summit which is something we didn't do this last year so the first time for this year and it was recapping the year of the do i look like a gamer campaign looking at the year of the games industry as well and also looking ahead to the future with video game fans aspiring professionals and current professionals from around the world so discussing those trends and also calling out for participation uh, for next year's campaign so if you want to get involved uh, check out the vod um, if it's still there if not we're gonna put uh segments of the live stream on our youtube channel as well so and then we've got announcements coming for next year especially if you want to get involved in that photo shoot so stay tuned for that and thank you to vox city studios who have sponsored this year's campaign helping us ensure that we make the events free to participate in um so yeah we're hoping to get more people involved and do uh, bigger and um, better things next year too uh, so on uh, Twitch also, we have our regular schedule of Studio 77 shows, except this month, because I didn't do a casual conversations with comic creators this month, took the month off, well, in respect to that uh, show, but um, we'll be back next year. So it's a monthly series where I speak to a different comic creator about the craft of making comics. So like I said, we'll be back in a new year every month, typically on the first Tuesday of each month, but our schedules can shift. Um, so follow us on Twitch, social media, newsletter, all that stuff, and then we'll keep people posted. Um, what we are going to do is our final games night of 2023, which will be Gartic Phone, which I feel we did this last year at the end of the year, right, Tazzy? Was that? Yeah. That, yeah, yeah, we did. Okay. Sure we know that. It's like our tradition. There you go. So it's our tradition. Um, so Gartic Phone is, how would you describe it? How <laughs> how would you describe it? Um, It's like, that game that you play around Christmas time, Pictionary. Pictionary. <laughs> but with like extra added chaos. Yeah, yeah. And then we add chaos to that chaos. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, like it's the whole yeah. chaos sandwich going on there. Yeah, it, it's uh it's fun. So we're gonna be doing that on Thursday the 28th of December. And uh for this one everyone can join so you can watch along or you can participate uh, as well. So that's going to be 7 p.m. GMT with other Studio 77 members live on Twitch um, too. So looking forward to that. And if you are a young aspiring creative professional or you know one, then check out our showrunners work experience program. So we are making work experience opportunities available for young people aged 16 and up to work with our team across comic production, our video game events and content creation. So the idea is giving them practical, uh, real-world work experience that they can take forward uh, into their career. So if you're interested, email us at hello at myamada.com 
uh, to find out more. So uh, that's something that we've learned along from this year and we're going to continue developing into next year. So that is about as most things, most things that we're working on. So with that said, let's go behind the story with today's guest. Today, we're going to be talking to Ravi, as we introduced, also known as Ren Art. He is a digital illustrator and concept artist, graduated from the University of Creative Arts, studying computer game arts, and has produced several illustrations and commissions, including illustrations for the promotion of the YouTube Red series, The Outsiders. And he also has his own Webtoon series named World Strongest. And definitely need to talk to you about Webtoon because that's something that keeps popping up as we go. So we'll get into it. But as listeners of the podcast will know, or just those that follow my matter will know, creativity is very important to us. So for our first question, Ravi, uh, what does creativity mean to you? I feel like when it comes to creativity, it feels very much like a feeling um, mm. that is sometimes needs to be nurtured in the right environment. I feel like everyone has that kind of like sense of creativity, that feeling of it, and everyone has like many levels to it. Um, but creativity itself, I feel like, is a notion of you wanted to create, and that can spawn into music, songwriting, drawing, cooking, even like. Weirdly enough, it can go into like equations of having like a creative method of figuring out how to solve an issue. Um, it can span many areas, and some that is as niche as like trying to unlock a car door. Creativity is really is trying to think outside the box. But yeah, I like that idea. As a former software engineer, I like the idea of the equation of, of uh, creativity because it can be a, a process to figure out how to solve problems. I like that aspect to it. But I mean, like as we find out more about your journey and then see how that kind of manifests for, for you, we can start at the beginning and just get a sense of like where you've come from. So where did you grow up and how did you first get into like comics? So I was born in London, born and raised in South London. And I first got into like drawing itself properly is when I used to watch anime with my bigger brother when I was a lot younger. Like this is when I was probably like seven or 10. Um, we used to watch anime like Naruto, Bleach, One Piece on the TV. And there'd be a lot of times when he would be drawing and I kind of watch him draw. So that would go on for a while until I got to the point where I just like started to copy him as like a little brother would do for a big brother. And I kind of just like, kept up the pace in an effort to like see how far I could go or like see let me just see if I can beat him you know what I mean I wanted to see if I could like reach a point I can be like yeah I'm really good at this and I've worked really hard with this but it really did start from there and then once after I'd started drawing properly I started actually reading physical mangas of like bleach especially of all like the very much um the sharp and stylish art style it had going on it really spoke to me a lot yeah, that was like the very first beginnings of it all. Yeah, so very much like a family connection almost. And then just like competitiveness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally, yeah. Because you actually studied sort of creative arts at, at university. So from those early stages where you're like, I'm going to do this professionally, I'm going to go study. Was that like a, it, it sounds like it was very much a, uh, that was the plan. Do you know what? It's weird. Because like when the idea of like studying in the games, like studying for work to be in the games industry it wasn't an idea i had at the very beginning when i was much younger mm. because at the time it wasn't as big as it is now so before i was very much looking into like 
oh, I like drawing cool characters. I like drawing splash art. That's fine. I like doing that. I like drawing people. That's cool. And I was very much in the notion of I wanted to do splash art for, let's say, League of Legends or like what other games were at the time. That, those are the ones that like that really piqued my interest and really like spoke to me. Um, but at the time, it was really hard to find like, oh, how do I exactly like break into this field that seems so new and so niche compared to other crafts? Like even painting and fine art itself is much bigger than um, games was at the time. So yeah, when it came to that, it's it's more like as time moved on, I started to like understand more of the field and started to see what kind of openings there were as the years went on. Um, much before, it's very much I was in the idea of wanting to study graphic design or maybe do like a comic artist or at the time when YouTube was blown up, I was thinking, oh, maybe I could do like story time animation. And that was very much me just going through a window of like a, fl- a flurry of ideas. But eventually I did drop on the idea of like designing characters because I did love designing characters. I love drawing characters. I love breathing life, energy, personal history, culture into these characters and seeing how far I could push them. And I basically just kept on going until I could find the field I was looking for, which was the area of concept art slash character design that I'm still working towards. And like, as you were studying this and from what you said, like your initial interest came from like family connection, but what does your like family think about your creative career choices? Cause I know sometimes that like, sometimes there can be support, but you know, we were speaking beforehand and sort of that West African uh, background <laughs> connection. I know the conversation yeah. that can be had in that side. So mm-hmm. how did it mm-hmm. work out for you? Do you know what? I was, I'm very thankful and privileged in the fact that my family was completely supportive of my journey. They nurtured me. They, they were like, they were even able to like, sometimes give me money to buy art supplies and I could draw my own time of like drawing sketchbooks. I'm drawing on sketchbooks, sorry. And buying like charcoal pencil and even buying like paint okay. and like oil paint to do my spare time. I was really grateful for them in that, in that sense. Cause I have three siblings and they're all older than me and I have a, a mother and they're all very hopeful. and know the idea that I will make it into the field that I desired. And I appreciate the support hundred percent. Yeah. That's cool. I think you got the benefit of being the youngest. <laughs> oh, oh uh, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I play into you that. got that, that leniency. That's cool though. <laughs> and like, as, as you started out and uh, you've done some, you've worked on some projects that we're going to get into, was there any advice that someone else gave you when you started out? Like, what would you say is the best piece of advice someone uh, gave to you when you were starting out and, and did you follow it? I think a lot of the ones I've saw it's less of like advice I was given and more so what I've seen from just like living with my family is that you just need to go for what you desire and mm. you need to like focus on your own kind of like growth. And they also like very vocal about that of like focus on yourself, do we need to and get where you need to go to. But that's mainly the kind of basis I've run with so far and I'm still running with so far of just like constantly making sure I'm growing in the, the right way and I have the right people around me to make sure I grow healthy. Yeah, that's a good point, you know, because it can be difficult, especially with something like when you get into like the creative space where the path isn't always set mm. and it's easy to get distracted. And like I, I mentioned the uh, the manga that we're, that we're working on of based on Tazzy's character. And it's like, it's about that journey and looking back and like the different steps where people might not always be for you or people are for yeah. you but then you might be in an environment that's that's not 
for you and how do you kind of maintain and then keep going in that so no, that's good advice to keep keep uh, in mind and for again for like you studied you actually studied this so we speak to different people and some people go to like formal education to mm-hmm. learn what they do some people are self-taught i'm yeah. curious to know like what you learned from university in terms of like your craft and what you've learned since like what was that university experience like and for you interesting <laughs> so the university experience was very much like there was very much like two sides to it because mm. i went to a university that was like in, basically in the countryside oh, and i didn't really see many people of the same skin color skin um skin color as me which was the first thing i realized I was like oh okay this is an experience <laughs> I'm going to roll with it. This is fine. And then the second one was the fact they were very much in the idea that you should network, having making friends and having make networking with people who are in the industry is very valuable. And just making connections with people in the creative field in general is a good, it's just a good gateway and a good um, practice to keep up with yourself. Just because it keeps you, it keeps you both in the mindset of still being a creative and also kind of keeps you inspired because there are times when I do feel like I, like the ball's dropping and I feel quite low and my creativity isn't as fiery as it would normally be. But when there are times when I go to an event and see our creatives, especially creatives of the same skin color as me, I, a fire's lit up inside of me. And I really okay. appreciate that of seeing other people in like different areas in the creative field, like poetry, film, or like fashion. It's, it's a brilliant feeling. Yeah, do you find that's affirming for you? Like, do you, you, it's kind of like, oh, okay, cool. There's, there's other people <laughs> doing God, this as well. Yes, because it, because like, as a creative, when you're working on a piece, let's say, a lot of times you're very much in your own head, figuring out and mm. trying to understand how it's gonna go. But working as a team and as a group, you're allowed to bounce off ideas, you're allowed to talk, you're allowed to like laugh, cry. You're all collectively working towards the same goal, and that's always important when, as a creative itself. Yeah, having a just a external ear to listen to and uh, and feedback and and like the whole networking thing is like just it is it that like that, that, that yeah, is yeah, it yeah. and like as we record this I've, I've come from an event where i've basically been talking all day with, with different <laughs> types of people potential collaborators investors mm-hmm. things like that so my, my voice is like is uh way overused now but uh we'll make it through but what is interesting is the amount of the amount of times just today but just in general where people have said do you know x Mm-hmm. Uh, and most of the time I'm like no I don't uh, why don't you introduce me and they'll be like yeah just you know send me the thing and then I'll pass it on and I, that's just a door open because yeah. most of the time I've never heard of this person but mm. that person is valuable to to the place that you know we want to get to and just because you met someone you had a good conversation and they go yeah cool there, there you go there's that connection done and it just makes all the difference and it can be you know obviously you've got to be able to do the thing so in your case you you know you've got to be able to draw and do that but then it's like oh do you know x <laughs> and then just make that next step in your career and like speaking of the non-technical skills do you how did you find developing those are you you know you mentioned networking but you know communication and teamwork was that something that you also developed at university or like since leaving how have you found that side of needing to get a handle on the non-technical skills to get where you are and where you want to get to do you know what? It's been tough, I like to be very honest, because I'm very much a like like a very introverted person. So when it comes to having to like put myself out there and speak to other people I don't quite know myself, it is very difficult and very nerve-wracking. 
and being in a new environment and trying something different is a scary feeling. Um, but I still try to do it anyway, just because A, I'm always curious on how it's going to turn out and how it's going to be, so I do it anyway. And B, it's better to like push myself and not regret not going, in a sense. But yeah, it's, it's definitely been very difficult. I think when it comes to, like, let's say, working as a group, I think I'm completely fine with that. I nurtured that skill even years back, even before uni, and I think I'm fine in that department. And talking to people, it can be a bit scary, but at the same time, it is quite... As like once the ball gets rolling, and the conversation gets flowing, it does it does get better as time passes on. Mm. I found that once you get to once once you figure out like people are just people, <laughs> as mm. obvious mm-hmm. as that sounds, and you can connect with them on just like oh what what games are you playing? Oh yeah, cool, I'm playing that too. Or what anime manga do you like? And then you kind of go from there, and then it becomes yeah. a bit easier. Or at least I've I found that. I think when it came to like, especially in university, because they always, they very much push the idea of like, go to these gaming events, see what about trying to network. And as a student of not having broken into the industry at all, and being just like, pretty much being like a novice to this entire environment, the mindset that I had especially was like, oh, I have to network with people to get somewhere? That feels <laughs> slimy. But when, when I understand, <sighs> when I take it as their people, they have interest and they're also getting somewhere same as you. I think it makes it a ton easier to understand the situation. Yeah, because networking does have that yeah, that bad reputation, right? It's like I'm trying to I'm trying to scheme and trying to get something from you and that yeah, that's a good that's a good point. I guess that can make it a bit more daunting than it than it needs to be. And I imagine there are I think one of the things with like games is it it is quite friendly, relatively speaking. So you know, we're saying this and there might be someone listening who's like, I don't know, in, in law and be like, no, networking is <laughs> people are just trying to get something and do that. Um, not to badmouth law with, uh, yeah, so we, not some good lawyers, but yeah, it gets that reputation from somewhere, right? But it doesn't have to be that whole thing. And it, and it is so important. Like, it's amazing just to, you just get opportunities that you might have to bang your head against a wall for mm. ages, but then someone just opens the side door and like, yep, come in. And w- when it comes to like, you getting started and, and building your your career, your persona that you you know, that you put out. Like I said in the intro, you also go by Ren Art. Yeah, and always interesting to know, I guess, why people use aliases and for their art. Um, and I say this as someone that didn't do that because <laughs> uh, yeah. I made comics and like it's just Nigel, it's the same name uh, I put on my bank statement and uh, and everything, the same name that I put on when I signed, it's the same name that I put on the comics. Or technically, I guess my Meadows is, but but yeah, what's the thinking behind coming up with like a name? What's the thinking behind you doing that? And how did you come up with the name that you have? I think it's, even like initially, when I was thinking about names to go by, this was even back when I was thinking of trying to do like story time on YouTube. And the main idea behind it was to have like a name that people can identify me with, not necessarily by like my own government name that people know me by, but like in in another setting where people, where people don't know me and it's easy just to go by a username and it also works as like my own brand. And even like rent art, it's just like my initials and then art. But yeah, that's honestly the easiest way I could say it. <laughs> it's, it's just it's just my my branding and how like I can use it as a logo I can use it as like people can know me easier if I go by rent art as well instead of like going by like, like Ravi and Kenfak but yeah I get that it's that branding is good I'm all all for some some good branding consistent branding and in in terms of like the your art as a whole like how would you describe your 
um, how would you describe your art style? And that's a good question for an audio podcast, but yeah, how would you describe it? <laughs> oh, my art. I'd say it's very stylish. Sometimes it can be quite angular, but I think it can be very beautiful. I can have some aspects kind of like an a- atmospheric mood to it. And it has very much like a a paint a painted style, similar to like the oil paint maybe, of like still being able to see the brush strokes in it. Like and I really like to develop that style of like just constantly funny enough, constantly doing like portraits of like just people and drawing and also um looking at like speed paints of other artists of how they would like paint and how they go through the process of like drawing their own illustrations and art pieces. Yeah. Um I know it's a bit of a manga, or at least like you got a black and white thing going. Is that like a yeah manga influence in your work as well? One hundred percent. For my world's strongest um, webcomic, it was initially supposed to be like a web manga, and I actually had plans of making it like a like a page turner. And I actually did create a one shot that I submitted for. I think it was like a shonen jump competition that was like international. But I did that first. I realized this is cool, but I can do better. So I switched it to like a platform where I feel like it'll be easier for everyone else to see and, and like reach out to. And I chose Webtoons and I basically had to like augment and reconfigure the chapter that I initially re- released and to change it for a Webtoon scrolling format, which was a challenge. But when it comes to like my, my influences of this like kind of manga, I want to say. Like Dragon Ball is an obvious one. Um, yeah. That's more in the sense of like the patterning of how like um, Akira Toriyama is done of me being able to like read the word flow and the action and how it just flows so easily. You can go to the next page. It continues so effortlessly. But also I, for this one, I wanted to have a kind of like, I was very much influenced by like Invincible of how bloody it can get as well. Hence why I chose <laughs> like a, like a red accent for for the webcomic. I just feel like it will like it'll have its own flair to it, which I personally really love. And I feel like it makes it, it, make, it gives it more of an impact. Yeah, it makes it quite stark as well, like the contrast between black and white and you've got splashes of red. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like for for those that might not know, do you wanna just to come back to the webtoon, like what's the difference between like making I'd say traditional comics that you might print or have digitally somewhere else and the webtoon format. And how did you have to change your work because of it? So for the traditional manga format, if we're going by like, like Japanese manga, it'll be read from right to left and it goes by page by page. So it means you start at the top of the page, you get a few panels until you finish and then you flick to the next page and you go through the same process. So for some people, they can draw it on paper. They can draw all the panels and the pages, and then scan it into into their laptop or computer, and draw out the scenes digitally to enhance each um, panel. But for webtoons, it's a bit different. Um, instead of the page turner, it's, it goes through a scrolling format because it suits um, people who use phones and iPads devices. But yeah, for webtoons, it's it can be a bit trickier sometimes. Because while there was a period I got used to learning how to make a page turner and knowing when to stop and when to start, as in I've drawn a sequence, it's getting really good. Okay, this will be the next page of how it gets interesting and so on and so forth. 
um, but for webtoons, because it's also continuous, you have to figure out how much of the screen will a person see, and which parts will it go like, oh, okay, I wonder what will happen next as they as it continues scrolling along. So it can be quite tricky, just because for a lot of web comics, they go through a format of like doing long strips of panels, and then having to split up by like obviously a large area of white and then another panel just so that you guys have like a, a a big i guess a big picture of what the story is going on um but for mine i've decided to kind of put the panels even closer together so it gives the air of a of like an actual um manga or comic and it kind of just flows it flows in a more interesting way just because there's so much to read and take in so i'll say that you know as you're talking it's making me think of like i guess the difference between Maybe this is not the most accurate analogy, but uh, let's go with it and see where it goes. Um, so the difference between like making regular comics, like your your you know your A, well we do ours A five and you're turning the pages, mm. versus like endless scrolling is like I don't know traditional TV and then like streaming, where with streaming is like you the idea is you change the structure of the show yeah. to keep people going to the next episode, and it just makes you think of the story different. Like, there's things you you put in or don't have to put in because you know it's all there and you can just move on from one to the next it kind of changes changes the nature of the story so you've got uh, a few chapters on your webtoon is that is this a new story and, and one that you're now is it going to be exclusively webtoon or are you gonna do you do printed comics at all Ooh, so for this webtoon comic i've i'm keeping it to webtoons for now just because mm. in the future if it reaches like, like a a good audience if i could i'd have it on like my own website as i don't have to rely on webtoons but currently there isn't a isn't a physical version but i would love to make a physical version my god that would be so cool <laughs> but i do agree on that analogy of like streaming and like television because you are right it came to like television they obviously did it in it's, it's kind of similar how television releases their episodes like week to week but streaming released it all at once mm. is that kind of format and similar to this one, how like manga releases, usually popular manga releases their chapters like a weekly basis or sometimes bi-weekly. And then for webcomics, there are people who release it like they can do a giant dump of a chapter in like every month. And there are some who do keep it up or like a month, like a weekly basis. But a feeling of taking in the information of each chapter is different between webtoons and manga. So you got a choice in, in terms of how and when you can release things. Yes, yes, okay. definitely. I can even like if I could, I can make a like a batch I can make a batch amount of episodes. Let's say I did like five and I could schedule those for like every other week if I wanted to. But realistically I'd probably do that every two weeks, just so that people have enough content to go through and then it's not too long of a wait for the next chapter. And let me not bury the lead here. Do you wanna because uh, you mentioned the story you've got, do you wanna give us like what is the story about? Yeah, just let us know what, what's it about. Yeah, no worries. I'll I'm gonna read the the info about it could just be a lot easier. Jules is a newcomer in a city brimming with skilled fighters, the supernatural divas, and a whole lot of trouble. She desires revenge against a living legend, a hero who saved the world 25 years ago and who holds the title of world's strongest. There's just one problem. This hero is her own mother. It can't get possibly more complicated, can it? How did you come up with that story, uh, that storyline? Is that something that, is there some personal experience in there or is that just something completely out of left field? So the idea formed in, um, I think it was around like 2018, 
initially this wasn't even like the planned story for it i was just making the character to see if i could create like a very cool protagonist see so how that like to see if they had like a nice um silhouette as like all like shonen protag- protags do yeah and the very initial stage was actually supposed to be a like satire on shonen but the more i like started like working into it as a hobby the more i realized wow this would just be a fun fighting comic i could just draw the idea did stem from around the time when i had finished reading invincible of like the relationship between mark and his father and my twist was like okay well what if what if this was between a door and a mother because that's a very different relationship and connotations within that and i felt like the idea of of having this hero that's hailed as being the greatest ever and being similar to like this hero being the idea of like a shonen protagonist and my character coming along being as in like this daughter of that character and seeing how she has to like navigate this world based on that, I found it to be really interesting. So I kind of rolled with that. Yeah, I just recently started watching Invincible. I'm gonna have to read the comments. So that is good. That's a good, good reference to use. <laughs> uh, that's a really good show. So with like, in fact, both of us are non-Japanese creators of manga. Out of interest, has the idea of like appropriation ever come up for you other someone saying it or just thinking uh, about it like what do you feel about this i mean i kind of know what you feel because i'm <laughs> looking at your work but what do you feel about that non-japanese people uh, making use of the the medium outside of japan i feel like at the end of the day it's okay because manga and comics is just a method of telling a story and i don't feel like it should be gay kept in that way there are things when it comes to like Japanese culture that's like obviously very exclusively for them and that they can use for themselves because they obviously they know the culture themselves. But obviously there'll be things that I know about my culture of living in South London and growing up as like a black British person that I know that can that I can play into my own story. So I don't I feel like when it comes to story making, that in itself is fine. I think how you use it is a different matter. Yeah, I feel that. And we actually had a, a recent podcast episode with Mina Gosh, and uh, she was talking about, well, because she's a Japanese artist, and the topic was appropriation. And she made a really interesting point about how, like, she feels it's, it's like, also fine, but it's about, in terms of, like, culturally, like, what mm. was more interesting to her is, like, people from outside bringing, like, their culture into it and making something different rather than maybe trying to like sort of mimic Japanese culture if you're not yeah. from there. So it was an interesting take. And I will, I'll put a link to that in the show notes when we do this episode. So people can listen to that conversation as well. Once you've listened to this one and with the stage you're, you're at, at the moment, what would you say you're most proud of? Like what achievement are you most proud of so far in your career? I feel like I'm most proud of how much I've kind of like stuck to this career path. Because I could have very easily like have stopped and done something else. Yeah, I could have continued to be a lot more safer. Exactly, but I I stuck to it to to see how how this journey goes. Because it is it is a wonderful journey. And it is fun seeing both from other people and myself how much you can grow, and I love that feeling. And I, and one thing I am also proud of is the fact that like there was a period of like for this comic itself, I was not sure I was gonna able to like release even like a third chapter just because of how how tricky it was to create it but i i was thankful and grateful the fact that i was able to even 
produce like a third chapter. I'm very happy with that. The fact that I was able to do it in the same year as the, I released the first two as well. What was the difficulty? I think it's how I structure the creation of the comic. Because a lot right. of times you would obviously make a like a story outline of like B2B, how things are going to go. And you'd write a script to say, oh, da, 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 this is what the character's going to do and talk to, ta-ta-ta. And then obviously you can draft out the the draft and everything. But I usually have the story beats planned out. But when it comes to the script, I actually don't have a script. I always just rough out the, the, the scene of how I feel the characters would react and act and where the environment would be. But a lot of times I don't have the environment thought out and it's not fully fleshed which makes the scene incomplete, and which means it makes it a lot longer for, for the scene to be a finished product. Hey, that sounds almost like risky. That's like you're just going in and you, do you just like let it, let it come to you as you're developing the scene more and you're illustrating? No, yeah, literally. So like, it is, it is quite risky. I won't lie about that. <laughs> but it feels, it gives me more freedom. And in that, it makes me feel more creative when I have to like splash an idea both story-wise or like, um, nat- sorry, nat- narratively speaking, and also when it comes to the action. Um, so there's been times when like, I'd have an idea even later on into the story, but I just draw out the scene. I just rough out what I think will be and how it'll act. And I save that as like a random, as a random page or in like a few chapters. So I can always come back to it later on in the story. So I can just like right. take back from those ideas. There's even been times when I've had an idea of like, I've, chap- I've drawn out and drafted a chapter 20 chapters in for later mm. that I know I can just, okay, when I get to this point, I can just yeah, rip out <laughs> all those ideas I had and place them on the page when I get to it. And I'm always grateful for the fact I have been doing that. Because I guess, yeah, because you're the writer and artist. And because like for my process, because I'm a writer and mm. but not an artist. Um, mm. So then in a sense, I've got to get all the things ready for the artist to take over. Yeah, but even yeah. <laughs> with the way I approach it, I like to have like things set with the knowledge that it can and likely will change. But in terms of like who does what and who goes where and who says what, yeah. kind of, like all set and then go and then the art can proceed. So it's like that way around. But it's all like different ways to produce stories, right? Yes, there are there are my way is not a surefire way and I don't feel like <laughs> it should be followed through. But it is my method of how I like get the ball rolling, and I'm grateful yeah. for a friend who like he's like an inspiring writer himself, and he helps me okay. as being like my editor um, of like his name's Ade, and I'm very grateful for like the input and advice he gives me for that. Yeah, how does having a separate editor change the way that you produce like the final work? It's a strange feeling because I've never had an editor before. It, every single time I I ask him for advice and suggestions. It's still a weird feeling, but I'm also very grateful for the fact I can have someone to like talk about these ideas and to see if it works or not. Mm. Do you? Because then it's the thing about like criticism, right? So when you come up with a story and it's like, oh, I know what the story is in your head, it's perfect, fine, mm. makes sense, and you put it out and you give it to someone and like, oh, well, actually, I don't get this bit, or have you tried this? And do you, you get the well, you might be different, but you get the, like the initial defensiveness. Or like, what are you talking about? It's perfect. <laughs> why, are you, why are you bringing up stuff? Yes. <laughs> just, just read it and say, give me a thumbs up. How do you deal with like notes that come back, that that criticism, constructive, I imagine, but still. So when it comes to stuff like that, especially, I I always take it in. I absorb it. 
I see it from his perspective as someone who hasn't even like he's not obviously working through and not drawing this entire thing and he's mm. like an outside observer and I understand like okay yeah I'll give this a shot to see how it looks and if it does work I am grateful for it and if not then I would obviously talk to him about it to, to discuss more like oh would this work instead or maybe this and that and this okay so it becomes a collaborative process almost pretty much yeah because as well as your own comic, I think you mentioned that you have done work for like people outside yourself. You, you've uh, YouTube Red series, and yes. um, is that The Outsiders? Mm-hmm. So tell us a bit about that and how you got involved with that project. So when it came to that project, I got involved because, funny enough, um, a cousin of mine was new the agency, and he 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 knew that they needed an artist for this project and he reached out to me to see if i was interested even though the um the window of like completion was quite small i still went with it because for a start i've never done anything like this before and i thought it'd be a good experience to try it out so i I connected with um vamp uk about the project and they gave me the details of what they needed and it was it was about 27 headshot portraits Mm. of like various black entertainers and black voices in like just um industry and entertainment industry so once i kind of like understood how many days i had left and what i was working with i pretty much got to work okay and what was that window Hmm. it was it was quite it was like about three to four days oh wow that's quick oh yeah it was it was (laughs) not easy I, i could tell you that it was not easy but at the same time while it wasn't easy, and I did work for it a lot, it was, it was just a difficult process. I am glad that I did push myself to do that, just because I haven't had a gig that size before, and I was interested to see how I would tackle it in general. And other than the super short turnaround time, what's the what's the biggest difference you found working on someone else's project versus one of yours? I think it's more so the idea... Because the company, obviously, because I like, I was freelance to a company, and there was a period when I did finish, initially it was supposed to be 26 headshot portraits, and I did complete it, and then there was like an, an add-on of saying, oh, can you do one more red tete about the, um, about like the, the creator of the YouTube Red series by Simon Frederick? I was like, yep, I can do that, that's fine. Um, and I think it's kind of like, what's the word? I think it's more just making sure that their worries and troubles were were dealt with in, in like in, in a right way. Mm. I didn't want to make sure I disappointed them in any way. And I wanted to ensure that like if they wanted to, if they could, they could reach out to me again. But yeah, it was very tricky because all the time during that period, I wanted to make sure it was not only up to their level, but up to the standard I was obviously offering my talents for and my skills for. Mm. Um, so it was that too. It was a bit tricky to do with the window of time, but I did what I could with what I had essentially. Yeah, I mean, what well, I've getting it done in that that kind of time. I've I found like whenever we've done work for people outside of my matter, it becomes almost like a case of expectation management. There's mm-hmm. a big yeah. element of that, right? It's like just letting them know, you know, this is what I can do, this is what I can't do, or if something changes and yep. keeping them posted. Especially if people if the people you're talking to don't do the thing that you do. So in this case art oh, could be something else then they might think, uh, yeah, they might think certain things aren't 
realistic and then it's about saying well actually uh, but then sometimes you gotta get things done in in three days uh, for whatever reason so yeah no that's a that's cool and as you go forward are you trying to do like more is that an experience that you want to do again um or like focus on your own work what's the what's the balance for you so i feel like when it comes to like something that scale i think it would be nice to do something again um i feel like definitely i need <laughs> the right amount of like period to be able to produce the work needed mm. but i think when it comes to like collaboration there is something i am working with with a friend of mine of like forming like a, a just like a game concept and when like very like the early stages of like figuring out how to go about that and i think that'll be like a, a nicer period to collaborate on because he's he is a um he can produce music and he's he's made music as well and he has ideas for a game and i'm kind of like collaborating with him to sort of form this kind of idea and make it fully fleshed out so i think in that regard i think collaborating with people similar in like the game field i would be up for and when it comes to illustration i might i might have to like see how i feel when it comes to something (laughs) that big again Case by case, basically. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, I get that. And so before we get to the sort of asking for sort of specific piece of advice um, from you, I did want to throw in, a, I guess, a controversial one, and it's AI. <laughs> We're going to mm-hmm. uh, throw that as. Now, we've done, we've had some conversations on podcasts. We did a recent episode about AI and art, and next year, uh, we're hoping to have more conversations about different impacts of AI and creative industries. And I feel it's something that is is taken over for better and worse in, mm-hmm. in some ways, some cases. As an artist yourself, what role do you see AI playing in the future of, of art and illustration? And how do you see it potentially changing the way artists work? Hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of when it comes to... Um, AR art specifically. Yeah, I've yet to find an artist who is. <laughs> oh, literally. I've been grateful like for um ChatGPT when it comes to like having to rephrase sections of pieces of work that you might have, but using it as like an end or be or of creation itself isn't sustainable at all. Mm. Um, cuz it doesn't create anything new. It just regurgitates things that's already been made. And even in like even like AI, AI art itself, it can't it's very limited in what it can do. Like even say in the games industry, if I needed a concept work that could be, let's say I needed like concept of an environment and I could like change out little pieces, I'd draw the environment, I'd paint it and I would make sure there's like different pieces of the of the environment I could like make visible or hidden and make sure I could be removed or switched out or like moved that it can still be used by other people to play with. But for AI art, it can't, it is what it is and it can't be reconfigured to like the slightest degree and if it is it's the environment itself doesn't look like what it did previously because it's been regenerated into a new artwork and i think in the future i feel like so far it's been more of a nuisance to the creative industry than it has been anything beneficial i've yet to see something of it being beneficial even like even recently i've i've been reading a manga called I think it's called like King and Asura. And I've noticed like even in the background, they've used like AI art in their environments of like when it came to depicting a very like messy and grungy environment in the story, which makes sense for like AI itself. But I feel like it's just not viable at all. 
and you can kind of tell at least at this stage i mean it will, i'm sure it will accelerate and get better but you can kind of tell when it's AI, art, or i feel like i can tell maybe i'm no yeah you definitely can there's even i feel like it's worse when it comes to like i feel like it's worse when it comes to like brands and companies themselves as well because even even like walking around i've seen i went to a christmas market in like manchester and i saw like a, like a santa claus photo and i realized this is an ai santa why is that there <laughs> And there's been a time when I've walked, I was also walk, walking down um, in Manchester as well. And there was another sign that was on like, I think one of the bars, it was supposed to depict like an old monkey. Mm. I think, I think, no, I think the bar was called like old monkey. And then the picture had like a young monkey that's clearly been like through like an AI generator. I was like, okay, cool. I... this is, this is really, isn't it? <laughs> okay. So do you ever see there being a time where as a, as an artist, you could see yourself using it? as a tool because interesting you mentioned chat gpt and i also use that as a as a writer but then i also feel if if the thing like the thing's interesting <laughs> until it starts doing the thing that you do yeah um because i remember hearing about it, like chat gpt like for me it in terms of productivity and is is helpful but <laughs> i remember having a conversation and someone was telling me about like ai generate comics and i'm like nah i'm not doing that <laughs> <laughs> that's where that's where we draw the line but it's always like the thing that you do is like mm, well uh, uh, here's why that can't work but then i wonder if there's a at the moment as even as i'm saying it i'm like i hope not but uh whereas you'd use the tools in collaboration with what you do kind of the same way i don't know we might use a word processor today whereas i don't know the person who was doing the typewriting was like no nah, we never do that I, d- I don't think so to be honest because I, I feel like there's there's a limit of, of what it can do before, like you said, it's just trying to place replace what I can do, but I can obviously do it better. I and I feel like it's just so not the one. Yeah, I'm, I'm still like <laughs> this belief of like AI or in general. Sorry. No, that's cool. That's it's always interesting to hear different people's uh, opinions and just like where it's going. Because yeah, just so much of it in the news and in, in discussion, and I feel like mm. something's happening, and it's like we're very much uh, in a space where we, I feel we should decide what we want it to be rather than just let it happen. So yeah. And I know, yeah, like I said, I'll, I'll also put that episode link in the show notes for (laughs) if you want to hear that discussion. So looking ahead and thinking about like what the the future looks for you, obviously it's not AI, (laughs) (laughs) but what do you see as, your vision because we always feel like we're all protagonists in our own stories and we say this mm. as as storytellers so every good protagonist will have their goal and they're aiming for the vision of success so for you what does success look like and are you there yet for me success is comfortability is to be comfortable mm. in the space like be like okay this is where i can be and i can feel comfortable in that um i've definitely not reached that place where i can say i'm successful but it's definitely a place where I'm definitely reaching for to be like financially stable, to have a home, to have a place to eat, to still be able to meet friends, have a place where I can work and feel safe in the fact that these all work in a in a system where I'm comfortable with. To me, success is being happy with that. Currently, I'm in a situation where it isn't where I need to be, but obviously that will change and it will change, and that's that's great. And that's that's where I can um, get to that. For example, like when it came to want, even for me, I wanted to break into like the video game industry. But with the way the job market is currently, and how niche the video game industry is, I haven't been able to find a, my foot in the door just yet. 
So I've been needing to learn new skills to eventually like pivot back into the industry, which is why I'm learning like graphic design skills, so I can like hopefully break into that field, which is has a lot more going on than it does for games and like com- comparatively. But yeah, it'll be it'll be a nice like scenic route <laughs> until I do get to that spot. Yeah, it always is. One of the conversations, uh, so I mentioned I was at an event doing a, a lot of pitching and speaking to different people and speaking to interesting, I think he's he's some kind of investor because mm. he was just talking about, I don't know, like exits and and talking about like ChatGPT and um, just, yeah, just he sounded like a, uh, an angel investor or some kind of VC investor. But we had a conversation, he was talking about essentially enjoying enjoying what you do and not being so focused on the the goal, especially if the goal is money, which I guess is some kind of irony coming from an investor, but <laughs> I'm saying like, you know, just enjoying what you're doing, enjoying the journey and, and that the process, that's what I was looking for. And just, mm. it sounds like, yeah, that's a good place to be where like, yeah, you, you're able to do what you do. You enjoy what you're doing. You're comfortable doing it as well. So I like that. That's good, good vision. So all right, before we wrap up, let's get into our guest advice segment. In each interview, we like to ask our guests to give advice for aspiring creative professionals. So we've been talking illustration and comics. Um, So Ravi, what advice do you have for others who might be listening and want to get started with creating their own art, their own comics, and sharing those with the world? I think when it comes to that advice, the best thing I could do and say is that whatever ideas you have, please write them down. Please write them down. A lot of people tend to keep them uh, modeled yeah. in their head and it gets screwed up or messed up and it's not articulated well. But having it on a piece of paper, having it shown on a screen is a many times better than it being stuck in your head. Mm. This way, you can ask people, oh, can you look at this? Oh, is this okay? And it's just one step in its creation. That's That's like the massive thing about it. I think doing the action of like starting it, even so like drawing, I think even like doing a doodle once a day, that's cool too. You don't have to don't have to like draw something completely detailed and um stylish. You have to like begin somewhere and like it's best to begin at the bottom because there's a lot you can learn at the bottom. You can form your foundation there, you can make sure you know what you need to do. Um it's very tricky, of course. Like I've obviously been there. But I think getting your ideas onto a piece of paper or onto a screen is the best start anyone could have. You are preaching to the choir. Because, <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I know like me and Tazzy, me and Tazzy have been in uh, workshops. We do a lot of workshops with young people. And yeah, just <laughs> the amount of times you see like people have got an idea and they just don't want to write it down. They're like, yeah, mm. I'll, I'll remember it. It's like, no, you uh. won't. You, you won't. <laughs> we all say that. And and they they rarely do. And it just, it helps like your own process. Like you say, you, you, you know, easier to remember when it's written down and stored, you can look at it, but you can also share it with other people. Exactly. And I keep referring back to this event that I've come from because there's a lot happened and it's, I'm still processing, but it was, yeah, it was, um, it was a demonstration of like writing things down because before this event it's part of a program and we had a, a workshop for like practice pitching. And because we had like ton of stuff going on when we did it, this was in November. I didn't have uh, like a, a pitch deck or a thing that explained 
the campaign because we're talking about do I look like a gamer campaign? So I was just talking to people and it's fine because I know enough I can talk to people, but I could see like whether, you know, some people said it explicitly, but I can, if those that don't, I can see like, yeah, they're fine hearing it, but they want to see it. Mm. And then I can see the difference today when I had something prepared, had my laptop, brought that, went through. I was still talking through and, you know, I was still able to have a conversation, but I had something written down. And if you want, the other aspect to it is if you want something, someone to help you write something down, because that, that makes the, the world of difference in that. So yeah, no, definitely that's good, good, solid advice. Yeah, write things down. And uh, uh, listeners, you can let us know what you think about that advice or just the other, the whole interview. As always, studio77 at mymatter.com is our email address. And um, I think you can also leave voice notes in Spotify. So maybe do that, try that as well. So before we do wrap for the episode, we're going to get into the bonus round. That was like absolutely fascinating. Some really great insight and tips there, especially the write it down. (laughs) (laughs) We've uh, definitely had to tell some young people to do that a lot in workshops. (laughs) But yeah, some of these... I'm going to throw some questions out that uh, either follow-ups or just random questions that didn't quite fit in before. And so you spoke about networking. I'm just wondering if you can give any more tips for someone who's early on in their journey uh, for getting started with networking. I think one of the best tips I could say is like, I think what I mentioned earlier is just to see them as a person and not as like, as potential foot in the door. I guess you can figure like the potential for the door later, but please seeing them as a person, as you and him both working towards a goal is instrumental of forming like just a solid relationship, both with that person and in anyone in general, actually. And I'd say when it comes to stuff like that, I also say, make sure you have like work with you just in case, maybe you have like maybe on your phone or make on an iPad. Cause if you want to, if you need to show some of your work, then it'll be handy just to pull it up be like oh hey do you want to see this and stuff like that i think that's great advice what anime is like your rewatch anime that you can just rewatch over and over do you know what? i actually don't rewatch animes often but if there is one that i'd go back to rewatch it'd probably be cowboy bebop mm-hmm. that is i love the jazz in the film sorry <laughs> the film the show the action is great. The mood, the environment, everything about it, it just fits so beautifully. Yeah, that, that, one's, that one's a good one. <laughs> and as well, obviously, we spoke about digital and physical. But when it comes to you reading uh, manga, do you prefer physical or physical copies or digitally reading? I think when it comes to reading, I prefer to read it on the screen just because I have easy access that way. But if mm. I have if i want to like actually look back on my favorite like manga chapters or volumes i definitely prefer to have a physical because even now i have like some physical chapters of like dragon ball chainsaw man undead unlock and even like um love sucks for these losers which is like another black um independent comic artist it just gives me a way to like look back and reference how they've like create that story the like environment or like certain conversation or action scene nice and then uh where can people find you online you can find me on instagram twitter and also art station with the handle renart that's r3n underscore a-r-t and yeah 
Brilliant. Thank you so much. No, it's thank you. No, I appreciate that. Thanks for joining us and yeah, giving us that insight. So hopefully uh, listeners enjoyed that episode of Story X Story. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe. We are coming to the end of season five and going into season six, which sounds crazy to say, but there you go. It's a real thing. I wrote down the numbers in our notes before. So uh, make sure you subscribe. You can check all the past episodes, get ready for a whole new year of Story X Story podcast recordings, and also give us a five-star rating and review because that helps us reach new listeners and fans of story discussions. And we've been talking stories. We're also story creators, so you can discover our manga universe online. And uh, all our titles are available through our online store. Uh, You can also catch us at I don't know what the next convention is, but when we go to a convention next year, you can catch us there and see the comics in person too. Don't forget that you can join the Studio 77 Discord today and get ready as we prepare for the new look Studio 77 membership, which will give you access to our video content that we're putting out on Twitch, special access to our comic and illustration content, special access to different uh, events that we're doing as well. And a lot of them are part of our Do I Look Like a Gamer video game representation campaign, which is now a yearly initiative. So we're going to be starting up again in the new year. I was going to say February, but that's the new uh, podcast season. So April, we launch the campaign and you can be part of it. So go to looklikeagamer.com. By the time you're listening to this, we'll have a way that you can register your interest to be part of the photo shoot. So we're going to be gathering another 40 people and uh, doing the whole photo shoot thing, releasing those as part of the campaign. And we get a mix of people. So yeah, you uh, can check that out as well. And as for the podcast, we release new episodes on Thursdays that include creator interviews, video game discussions, and deep dives into stories across pop culture. You can always give us a shout directly. Our email address is studio77 at myamada.com. And our website with links to subscribe is myamada.com forward slash story x story. So thank you for tuning in. And until next time, stay safe. And remember, AI can have my words, but I'll be damned if you take my comics. Stay back. Take care, everyone. (laughs) 